John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is this great, great chapter. It's probably a scene that most of us are fairly familiar with. It's the scene of the feeding of the 5,000. And as people who like potlucks, we get real excited about this passage. But, but there's a lot more going on there than just feeding a whole bunch of people. That, that we're, we're in, the, in the middle of Jesus' of Jesus's ministry, and he has, he has finished the, this grand speech about who he is and the witnesses to who he is, and really just exalting Christ. And, and we, we look there in John chapter 6 that the Bible says that after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. And a great multitude was following him. Because they were seeing the signs which he, which he was performing on those who were sick. I mean, can you picture, can you picture somebody just following Jesus, Jesus from place to place because of what he was doing? I, we, we used to have a big rock concert in the town we lived in, and they would have these bands that would come in from, from all over the country. And there would, there would be these people that would show up every year about two days before certain bands. And you would, and the, you, you would look at them and you would talk to them, and they would tell you that they're, they're following this band around the country because their music is so life-changing and so amazing. And I tried not to laugh at them doing that. If you did that, okay. Um, but that, 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 that's your privilege. But, but they're not following following a band around. They're following Jesus around. He's, he's healing people. He's healing lame people and blind people. He's saying things that no one has ever said. He's confronting the Pharisees. I mean, I just got to see what it is that's going to happen next year. So Jesus is trying to get away, but they're following him. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing the great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? There's this reality that Jesus understands our needs. Sometimes people want to take Jesus and separate him from real life. Right? Maybe you've heard a sermon or two, not when I was preaching, obviously, or, 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 or you've been in a Bible study and you felt like, well, I hear, I hear what you're saying, but th- this, doesn't really, this doesn't really connect with where I'm living right now. Well, that wasn't the message of Jesus. Because Jesus, in all of his preaching and all of his teaching, even as he said some, some, some very deep and profound things, was not unaware of what was going on in people's lives. He understood things as basic as these people are going to be hungry. These people are going to need to get some food somewhere, right? If you listen to Bill's lesson this morning, one of the lines I thought was pretty good out of that bill is he said, if Jesus were here today, he would know or he would, how'd you put it? He would care about those who were hurting. Oh, that was pretty profound. I think it's exactly right. See, I think Jesus knows exactly what you're dealing with right now. To all those teenagers that just stood up, right, and there's so much stuff going on in your life, Jesus knows, and Jesus cares. To to those of you who are struggling with your health right now, Jesus knows, and Jesus cares. To those who are, who are having family issues, to, to, to those who are having emotional issues, Jesus knows, and Jesus cares. To... To those who are hungry right now, to those who are a little bit tired because you're up all weekend at Lads to Leaders, 
Does Jesus know that? Yeah. And Jesus cares. And, and this kind of runs the gambit all the way from the most, the most profound things that we wonder if anybody knows and cares about to, to the things as simple as these people are going to need to eat. And so he turns to Philip and he asks him a question. Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? Thousands of people are following him around. And, and I get this picture in my mind that, that sometimes, sometimes people, people will ask a question and my response is like, why are you asking me? Like, do, do, I, do I look like, you know, like I own a chain of Chick-fil-A's or something like that? I can feed 5,000 people or, may, or probably even more. I, I, don't know why, I don't know why you're calling me to ask me that question. I, I, I really can't do anything, nor do I know anything about what you're asking. But you seem to think that I do, or you seem to think that I'm able to do something. Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? Now, it's an interesting question, but, but there's something behind it. And the text tells us something behind it. This he was saying to test him. For he himself knew what he was intending to do. So when Jesus asked Philip, uh, how are we going to feed all these people? Jesus didn't wonder about how they were going to feed these people. Jesus knew exactly how he was going to feed these people. But it's fascinating because Jesus, he's setting Philip up, right? Sometimes I'll say something and I'll, I'll just say, I'm, I'm, throw, I'm throwing you a softball on that one, right? Like I just, I just, I'm giving you an opportunity to, to, to say how pretty your wife is or how great your husband is. or I mean, and some people swing and miss and some people knock it out of the park, right? So Jesus is kind of throwing a softball to Philip here. What are you going to say, Philip? How shall we feed these people? Philip answers him. Well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient. Like we, have, we have 200 days labor. 200, 200 denarii, and we could buy bread if we could find that much bread. We have 200 denarii in, in, the, in the budget, and we could buy that much bread, but that's not sufficient for them, for everyone to, to receive a little. By the way, but before we're too hard on Philip, I've been in enough, I've been in enough meetings, um, um, elders' meetings, deacons' meetings, uh, meetings in general in the church, I'm saying that what Philip is doing is probably a lot more similar to what we do, right? Okay, I got this problem, and then I'm trying to figure this out, and we got so much money, and if we could get this person to do that, or, and we, we, we just, we, we, we're thinking the same way that Philip thinks. One of the disciples, you, you know this, one of the disciples, Simon Peter, Andrew, said to him, or Simon Peter's brother, Andrew said, I was like, who is Simon Peter Andrew? That's not even a person. Um, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are those for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. Might have been 10,000 people there, right? If you had 5,000 men at church, you probably got, you may have 20,000 women uh, if it's like it is today. But Jesus therefore took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, and likewise also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, nobody was complaining about how much people ate. Nobody was complaining about people taking to go boxes. Nobody's complaining about any of that kind of stuff. People ate as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to the disciples, 
gather the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. When therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is of a truth the prophet who is to come into the world. Now in the context, this is one of those miracles that the people who saw it said, Ooh, this is not just a man. These things were written that you may believe, and believing you may have life. It was there to to gather their attention. Now, I'm assuming that you're making that application. I want us to spend just a couple moments thinking about Philip. And the question that the Lord asked Philip. Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? It's a test. How did Philip do on the test? He failed. He failed the test. Badly, he failed the test. For some reason, in my mind, you know there's that scene at the end of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when he's asking about his reward and 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 he starts going, it's terrible, you did this and you did... I don't know, but that's what's in my mind if someone were to ask, how did Philip do on the test? And why did he fail? I mean, he... He was kind of given an impossible problem, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Miss Ish, you're a good cook. Can you feed 5,000, 10,000 people? No? You're not willing? You know, you're not able. Not able. Right, okay. Yeah, anybody else? Got some good cooks, right? Doreen, some of that, you know, cooking you got? Is it no, no, no? So she's like, you know, look, it's like, don't ask me. I can't do that, Right? And, I mean, I can't cook that much. We, I mean, can't buy that much. Same, same answer we would give. What's the problem with the, with, with the answer? What's the problem with the thought process? Why did Philip fail the test? I want to understand this because here's the deal. I don't want to fail the test. Right? I don't want to fail the test. And sometimes, sometimes the thing that can keep me from failing the test is seeing somebody else fail the test. I believe, this, I believe that, that that's why this is here. Okay? You ever, you, ever, you ever tell your children that you want them to learn from your mistakes? Right? Parents, we all understand that? And, and kids, right? Zach, you should probably know mistakes if you learn from all your dad's mistakes, right? Ronnie, that was, that's you. Yeah. The, uh, but but that's, that, that's kind of, we, we want that. I mean, I saw the dumb thing that they did. I saw the bad thing that they did. So I, know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to do that. Okay, I think that's what's going on here. I, th- I think that's why this is here. So I want to learn. I don't want to fail the test. So what did Philip do that caused him to fail the test? Here's what he did. He walked by sight. He saw the problem and the only way that he thought about the problem was from a purely physical point of view. Just the facts. Just the reality. Just the things that he could see, touch, feel, smell. Right? By the way, we, we like stuff like that. That's where I live. Right? And the things that I know, the things that I can control. But the Bible says... The Bible says that we are Christians. And part of being a Christian, and we, 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 could, we could preach a very long series of sermons on this, but you know that part of being a Christian, Paul says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
By the way, he says this is the secret to even dealing with death itself. Okay? So I'd rather get it about bread than I would about death. But if I don't get it about bread, I probably won't get it about death. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about being a Christian, for we walk by what? Faith. Let's try that again. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, easier said than done, right? But, but this is the goal. If you want to pass the test, and I'm convinced, guys, I'm convinced that we, we all have tests every single day of our lives. Or we have opportunities, or we have problems, we have struggles, and we either approach those things based upon faith or based upon our sight. We approach them based upon faith or we approach them based upon sight. In the great, in the great faith chapter of the Bible, right? Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, we read that, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The, the assurance, right? This is real. There's something beyond this. And, and it's based on evidence. I know you can't see it. I, I, know, I know it's not in your senses. I know it's not by your sight. Okay, good. That's when you start walking. I'm not talking about a blind leap in the dark. I'm not talking about just take, take my word and trust me for it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about having, there's, there's evidence that there's something beyond me. Is there evidence that there's something beyond us? Is there? Well, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Romans chapter 1 says though, that, 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 that the, evidence, the, ev- the evidence for God, it, it surrounds us. That, that those who deny it, they are without excuse. Of course. Of course there's evidence that there's something beyond this. It is foolishness that our world tries to act like there is not. Do we live our lives like we believe there's something beyond this? Not just in the way we plan for the future. I'm talking about in the way that we deal with things today. In the way that we will deal with with, with our lives. For by it, the men of old gained approval. I mean, how, how in the world did Abraham become Abraham? How did Noah do the things that he did? How did Moses, how did Gideon, how did the Israelites, how did, how did Rahab, how, all the, these great heroes of the faith, right? Man, they did these amazing things. How did they do the things that they did? Because they walked by faith and not by sight. That's Philip's problem. So I want to be real intentional that I'll walk by faith and not by sight. So if Philip wanted to pass the test, Let's say the teacher gave a redo, right? Thomas, sometimes your tests are hard, and so you've got to let them come back and, and take it over again. You don't let anybody retake tests. You're one of those teachers, huh? Okay, all right, I got you. I'm not in school. I don't care. So, so, but sometimes teachers, they'll give a, a redo. So if Philip could take this test again, and Jesus comes to him and says, uh, Philip, where are we to buy bread that these may eat? What would be an appropriate godly, God-glorifying answer. What is Jesus hoping He will say? You ever ask? You ever ask? I was thinking about my children. You ever ask your children questions and you're hoping that they will say something? Like you're hoping that they'll give the good answer or the insightful answer? Like, okay, I've been teaching you this stuff for a long time. I've been, I've been, try, I've been trying to set you up for this. And now, now's your opportunity and I'm throwing you that softball. And you're like, please, please let them, right? 
and sometimes they pass, and sometimes they fail, but we'll give a redo, okay? Not like Thomas. So, so what could he have said? How about if Philip had said, well, Lord, there's more people here than we could ever feed, but you're the Son of God. Lord, we don't have enough money to buy food for all these people, but you, Lord, you're the one that spoke the world into existence. You created the sun and the moon and the stars. Lord, you could could create McDonald's right here. You could create Chick-fil-A right here. Would that have been a good answer? How about, Lord, I don't know, but you know, I've seen you. I've seen you turn water into wine. I've seen you manipulate the elements before. I've seen you take people who were lame and cause them to walk. So, I don't know exactly what the answer is, but I know who the answer is. So, Lord, I don't know. You tell me what to do. A plus. A plus. I'm, I, I, just, I, just figure, I just figure that Philip rehearsed this scene over and over in his, li- in his life for a very long time. I have failed very few tests in my life, but I remember every one of them. I mean, on paper, not in the life ones even more so. But, but I, I just imagine he thought about this, man, I sh- why did I not say, maybe we could find a couple fish and you could just multiply it and feed, and feed thousands of people, Lord. Why didn't he say that? Because that sounds foolish to us. Because, because we walk by sight and not by faith. He says, I want you to walk by faith. So here's our challenge for this week. He says, I'm going to wrap it up. I know, I know we got tired people tonight, right? I know. Wake up, right? How can we walk by faith? Here's my challenge for us this week. When you are facing something, a difficulty, a struggle, a challenge, you're going to face some of those things this week. When you're dealing with something and you don't know what the answer is, and you're a little bit frustrated about about that situation, I want the words to come out of our mouth. I don't know how we're going to do this, but the Lord will provide. I just want you to say it. I want you to say it. If I was preaching, I would talk about Abraham taking Isaac up uh, up on the mountain and Jehovah Jireh and and how they called the name of that place. The Lord will provide. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but but thankfully I know know one who does know the answer. When when difficulties are going on, maybe we're looking at the world, maybe we're looking at our life. I, I, I I want us to say out loud, well, these things are bad. Anybody have any bad stuff happen to him last week? Probably. Maybe this week, maybe the week before. I'm not trying to be a downer, but I know life goes that way. I want us to say out loud, well, I don't know how these things are going to turn out, but I know, I know that the Lord's going to work these things according to His will. Just say it out loud. I'm telling you, when you start talking that way, people are going to scoff, because people don't talk that way. People don't talk that way. Unfortunately, Christians don't always talk that way. But we're going to talk that way because I'm not going to fail the test. I want to talk more about my God, what He has done, what He's going to do, the confidence I have in Him. I want to say out loud, well, those people intended, intended it for evil, but God intends it for good. I want to say it out loud. right? Isn't, isn't that what Joseph said? And we say he's a man of great spiritual insight, but yet we struggle for the words to come out of our mouth. Why? Because we struggle to walk by faith. But these things are here for a reason. Not just so we can look and say, 
man, Philip, man, you really need to do better. No, they're there so that we'll look and say, I, I want to learn from his mistakes. May we be a people who walk and speak and live by faith in Jesus Christ. And may that change us as we live in the midst of a world that is faithless. May it allow us to be bright lights in a world that is filled with darkness so that we might have hope even when the world says there is no hope. That's what I got from John 6 in this, in this scene of the feeding of the 5,000. There's something going on with thousands of people, but there's also something going on with one single man. It's the same thing for us tonight. I can talk about the church and I can speak in, in generalities, but I also believe that each one of us is an, is an individual. And each one of us is drawing closer to or farther away from Jesus. Jesus knows and Jesus cares. Not just about what's going on in our lives, but about where our spiritual lives really are. Jesus knows and Jesus cares. And for those who have fallen, fallen from him, he asks you to come home. For those who have rejected him and you've pushed him away, Jesus hasn't given up on you yet. People might have given up on you, but Jesus hasn't given up on you. And so he invites you. He says, one more opportunity. I don't know if he'll give you another one, but he'll give you this one. One more opportunity to come and be born again in that watery grave of baptism. Whatever your burdens are, you bring them to Jesus because he knows already and he cares. And he invites you to come as we stand and as we sing.